Rochester Today with Andy Brownell and Tom Ostrom on News Talk 1340 KROC AM and 96.9 FM. Good morning. It's Rochester Today, Thursday morning. I'm Andy Brownell. Tom Ostrom's here. Hi. Good morning, Tom. Hello, Andrew. Hello. (laughs) So uh, I guess we'll get going right away. What's in the mailbag today? Okay. I was commiserating with KLS, and I said, I'm so disgusted. The FBI uh, frog walks uh, Navarro, uh, a Ph.D. economics, a Trump advisor. He didn't do the January 6th hearing. He said executive privilege. But he also lives a few hundred yards from the FBI office in D.C. And he said, but if you want to talk to me, I'll come over there. Well, they waited till he got to the airport, and then they had five agents handcuff him and shackle his legs. Embarrassing again that they do that to Republicans all the time in public, uh, like they did with a CNN camera one time. But no, no, no Democrats ever, uh, even though they get uh, subpoenaed by Republicans, they they don't go through this. And I I said to Karen, I'm so sick of it now. The Sussman trial and Hillary 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 Clinton up to her neck in this stuff and illegal and emails and nothing happens to her. I said, I'm so disgusted. And uh, KLS took my uh, anger seriously and she gave me a serious answer. Uh, and she said, uh, Deuteronomy 3235, it's mine to avenge. I will repay in due time. Their day of disaster is near. Proverbs 2022. Do not say I'll pay you back. This is wrong. Wait for the Lord. He will avenge you. And then she says, of course, if Hillary repents, she'll be forgiven. So let's hope she doesn't. Oh, gosh. How did someone, how did someone who campaigned for Barry Goldwater when she was younger turn into the Machiavellian crook that she is? I loathe her uh, and her creep of a husband. I can't stand them. I'm so sick of the news, Tom. You're not the only one upset. Uh, we elect these people. And and uh, I, I'm getting so I don't even listen to the news. I, I hear you and Andy and hear things on the radio, so I keep up with things, but I'm disgusted too. <laughs> so, <laughs> Well, if you look at the polls, Tom, you and uh, KLS are not the only ones disgusted. <laughs> the polling yeah. numbers are extraordinary in that uh, Americans right now feel this country is headed in the wrong direction. Um, I think it's yeah. upwards seventy five percent or higher. Believe that, at least in the polls I've read recently. Wow! And last time, Andy, you did you usually excellent job summarizing uh, electrical blackouts, and you discussed that problem. Got a lot yes. of email uh, mail responses on that uh, from Rose. The segment on rolling electrical blackouts was stunning. I have to ask: Is this is this a really serious high uh, what do we do with our frozen foods if it's blackouts for hours or is this just another biden era debacle to be blamed on the russians or putin or trump and what about foreigners being able to hack into this system can they can they do damage what's the dhs doing about it what what can we do about it so you got people think and then well then howard do you want to comment on that oh no just if you want to have a little bit of hope on that topic, if you're a customer of Rochester Public Utilities, our backup 
I can't call it backup, but a great deal of our energy is still coming from Sherco 3, which is a massive coal-fired plant uh, north of the Twin Cities up by Becker. That Many, many moons ago, the city uh, got into an agreement with an organization to be um, part of the group that financed the construction of that thing. And I know the contract runs out in a certain number of years from now, fewer than 10, and we will no longer have that as a power source. But for the foreseeable future, especially this summer, we'll be getting a great deal of our electric electricity off that Sherco plant, which the rates could go up. I mean, if you have a shortage anywhere within the grid system, it'll cause a bidding war and the cost per kilowatt will rise. But I, I think Rochester might fare this storm better than many other places that perhaps are tied in with multi-state uh, utility companies that would be more likely to order a rolling blackout for segments of their customer base in order to keep the grid stable. But well, I'm you. not an expert on this at all. I'm just going by well, little tidbits that okay. I know. Yeah. Well, you sound like one. And, and Howard said this about energy. Uh, he sent me a picture of a cat. I suppose that means caterpillar, those huge uh, machines. And it shows a man... Uh, standing by the tire of the machine and i would say that tire is uh, 15 feet high uh, and uh howard says this this is a cat 994h it burns 1800 gallons of fuel in 12 hours this machine is required to move 500,000 pounds of earth that's about what 250 tons and in order to get the minerals needed for one single telsa car battery how does this math? How does this math uh, 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 help the Green New Deal make any sense? Um, can I comment on that? Yeah, I I had read a great piece about this, and it was uh, I wish I could remember the source. You surprised me with this one, but they took a comparison of a vehicle from its birth to its death. So from the day it began construction until the day it was no longer useful and calculated what the carbon footprint would be for that vehicle. And I think they took the nationwide average for the you know, gasoline mileage of the existing fleet of vehicles in this country, passenger vehicles. And so they calculated in the carbon footprint it takes to manufacture an EV, one of these electric cars. So as uh, the listener pointed out, the enormous amount of fuel that is burned in order to mine the minerals needed to make the batteries. Uh, that's not all of the costs, but mm -hmm. most of the carbon footprint for the EV is on the front end, the manufacturing side of it. Now, your traditional internal combustion engine vehicle, which have become much more efficient in recent years, um, the cost is more spread out as far as the carbon footprint is concerned, because the purchase of the gasoline and all that aspect. But we're looking at just carbon footprint, the amount of carbon that is added to the mix in our environment during the lifespan of that car. They're darn near equal. Mm -hmm. The electric car has a little bit of an advantage over the lifespan mm -hmm. of the vehicle as far as carbon footprint is concerned, but not a significant one when you consider all those different factors. 
And then you look at the price tag of the electric vehicle compared to the current internal combustion vehicle, and that advantage disappears. It's mm-hmm. you're right. The math doesn't work. It doesn't work. At least work. according to that article I read. And then you got Wayne all hyped up because of your discussion of that topic, and he did some research, and he says. Visit the American Rivers webpage. The environmental organization favors removal of dams. Restore our rivers. Uh, all dams, even small ones, produce hydroelectric power. We should be building more dams, not removing dams. Uh, gasoline and diesel-powered vehicles that do not require electricity. Going green means a lower standard of living for Americans. The Democrats love inflation and high gasoline prices and expensive electricity and the elites at Davos, Switzerland, fly in with jets, but harp about all these things. And the same people who support green energy, Wayne says, and electric vehicles are opposed to nuclear power plants that emit zero emissions and are very clean, and so is natural gas. Uh, molten salt nuclear reactors are very safe and stable. But according to American Rivers, 200 hydroelectric dams have been removed from our nation's rivers. What sense does that make? That's the mailbag, Andy. You know, I'm All sorry, right. one more mailbag. Yeah, but that's the yeah. last mailbag on energy. Okay, well, I'll just, one more count. I am fully supportive of moving towards electric vehicles when it makes sense. <laughs> uh, right now, both the economic aspect of it and also the availability of the precious metals needed for this battery technology we currently have don't make sense. Uh, there, there simply is not enough of it available, uh, at least available in a responsible and economically feasible fashion. So when you have the government more or less pushing the population towards the electric vehicle uh, platform and abandoning what we do have now in the internal combustion engine, it's going to produce an impossible situation because the automakers will not be able to supply enough of these EVs to satisfy demand. And you're going to have a shortage of vehicles. And that's going to create yet another economic (laughs) crisis when that comes around. Uh, But that being said, if I support the development of the new technologies to make this feasible, I think it's crucial that we move forward. And I'm a big, I'm a big gearhead. I'm, I love the internal combustion engine and the sound of it and the roar and the, the excitement of the oil and gas and everything else. But I recognize progress is progress. And these electric vehicles are the future. Well, I think if they keep uh, a little bit of everything, we're covered for anything, too. So For a period of time, yeah. But improve everything, you know. Right. One more. Uh, oh, okay. You, I thought the mailbag was done, but you have one more? I thought so, too, but yeah, <laughs> this is not energy. Uh, this is from uh, Nevada, uh, uh, Dan, uh, uh, during, you know, these primary elections that took place Tuesday. I got a mail-in ballot in the mail. I didn't ask for it. If I was a Democrat, I could mail it in and then go vote on election day also uh, uh, or other elections. I think the only way to stop cheating is to have no mail-in ballots and everyone vote on election day. Uh, and uh, that's one solution. Well, that's what France does. No mail-in ballots. That's the mailbag. Okay, there's the mailbag. <laughs> we'll take our break and we'll return with more. I'm Andy Brownell with Tom Ostrom. It's Rochester Today on Newstalk 1340. 
KROC AM and 96.9 FM. This is the Family Service Rochester Mental Health with Andy Brownell and Tom Ostrom on News Talk 1340 KROC AM and 96.9 FM. We have returned to Rochester today on this Thursday morning. All right, Tom, uh, what's happening closer to home and at least your take of it? Uh, Pafawa Yang, again, Alpha News, she covers some very interesting controversial things and she says this. The Rochester Golf and Country Club reimbursed the Center of the American Experiment $5,300 last week to settle a lawsuit after canceling the group's public safety event in March. American Experiment filed a lawsuit in Olmstead County Court, accused uh, the entity of breach of contract after leftist activists pressured the venue change or pressured the venue closing on an online petition signed by 90 people. Uh, and so the center sued uh, uh, a woman and, and the club. And on Thursday, American Experiment said it dismissed its claim because the damages were paid fully by Rochester Golf and Country Club, who also held the event anyway at the International Airport. So uh, uh, that, I think, brings that matter to a close, unless you have other information, Andy. No, I think it does bring it to a close, and I think from the uh, think tank's perspective, <laughs> it was a huge success. Uh, they got more press out of the cancellation of that event by the Rochester Country Club, got their money back, uh, attracted, what, four times as many people as they were expecting at the other yeah. event? at the rescheduled event, uh, it became a statewide story. And I think even some national outlets picked it up. Um, yeah, <laughs> it certainly worked in their favor. So I bet they were happy when they got their five grand back to say, yeah, okay, we'll let this go. I'll bet that. And I, I put in Christy Nome, uh, the governor of South Dakota, in our Minnesota list because it's, it's, she's a close neighbor. Uh, she's after uh, uh, President Biden. Uh, Christy Noem made it clear she has no interest in playing nice with the Biden administration. Uh, and she tweeted a statement with a video. It deals with Biden's attempts to force the radical trans agenda on conservative states like hers. And evidently the White House has threatened to take away children's lunch money if states don't pursue the radical agenda on that issue. And uh, Governor Nome says he's targeting states like ours, and we make it clear biological men do not belong in girls' bathrooms. Joe, if you act on this, we'll see you in court, and we will win. She's tough. She, uh, I think, um, sees herself at least as having perhaps a future uh, in national politics. She is positioning mm -hmm. herself very well, let's put it that way. Mm -hmm. But I, I've often said these conservative women in Congress and, and, and uh, the governor, they're tougher on issues and more persistent and aggressive on issues than so many of these wimpy Republicans, especially the rhinos. Uh, but even even the Republican leader in the House, McCarthy, he, he just, uh, oh, he, uh, he slams this and he complains about that. But not, nothing is really done often. But these women are... I think it's time for a woman president, a conservative woman president. <laughs> uh, uh, but uh, I would argue, Tom, I don't know about the outcome. I mean, these may just be words by her as well, Noam. Um, we'll see. 
if they go to court, we'll see what happens and what kind of resources are expended in, a, in this battle. And I, right. I, I have no idea what would be the outcome. But I will say this. Um, there was a piece in the Wall Street Journal about, you know, this. you're talking about schools here and what's happening in the schools and the fights over what's happening in the schools, particularly school board elections. And Ballotpedia did an analysis of school board elections in three states and found that the incumbents lost at nearly twice the historical average. And I think it was a third of all the incumbents lost re-election. And this was in Wisconsin, Oklahoma, and Missouri. And um, the historical average is below 20% for an incumbent to lose their seat. So candidates who opposed what you termed what woke woke policies or the COVID policies like the shutdowns or mask mandates won 36% of the seats that were analyzed. 20% of these seats were taken by people who were just kind of real no clear position as far as these controversial issues. But on the other hand, Tom, progressive candidates took 45% of those seats that were won away from the incumbents in those states. That doesn't mm-hmm. necessarily mean they're not replacing progressive candidates, so that may be the case. Yeah. But the but a significant amount, over one-third, were won by people yeah. who ran more conservative campaigns. So this this will be, it looks like, a nationwide phenomenon as far as coming out of this pandemic that these school boards are likely to be shook up a bit. Yeah. Oh, right. And and one more Minnesota item uh, uh, from Alpha News. The West St. Paul, Mendota Heights, Egan area schools is adding an anti-bias curriculum to its pre-K through four grade classes. And the lessons... Uh, will include material on gender identity and, and expression. Uh, and it's going to start in kindergarten. Uh, John Dewey, the educational philosopher, said that if we can control children from kindergarten on, we can we can reform America. Well, that's what the educators are trying to do. And uh, they, I don't know what expertise most educators have in this stuff. But to me, they're, they're playing with dynamite. But the lessons are are in quest of equity. That means equal results, which is absolutely humanly impossible. It's a, we're training teachers to teach an anti-bias idea, a dialogue. Yeah, with their biases, huh? Teach uh, anti-bias dialogues. Parents are worried about it. They say this exposes our children to inappropriate content. We got failings in math and English. And it, why aren't we teaching? students some academic substance instead of this stuff that parents are getting so frustrated and and they're complaining to the school systems and so some administrators are saying well you can opt out but if you opt out they got to do these assignments and these writings and this uh, and this topic uh, gender identity and expression <laughs> in kindergarten that's oh. the mill or that's so well that I guess I should have waited for my discussion about that ballotpedia thing because that's exactly what is providing the pushback that is moving these incumbents out of these school boards. So at least according to that ballotpedia article. Okay, we'll take our break for news. We will return right after that with more of Rochester Today. 
Thursday with Tom Ostrom. I'm Andy Brownell on News Talk 1340, KROC AM and 96.9 FM. This is the Family Service Rochester Mental. Andy Brownell and Tom Ostrom on this Thursday morning. So the big uh, primaries, well, they were held in a number of states on Tuesday. And there were some big shakeups, particularly as we mentioned on Tuesday out in California. Yes. Uh, are you want to comment on California? Well, I guess the end results kind of jived with what the polling numbers had to say. The uh, mayoral race in Los Angeles, which will go to a runoff election. Um, the ex-Republican billionaire businessman Caruso did really, really, really well with his get tough on crime message. And he'll face, um, I believe she's a former congresswoman, I believe, in the November election, at least on. No, I think there's one more. There's a runoff coming up. Um, but he, I believe he was 20 percentage points above her coming out of the primary. So he's clearly the favorite on this. And that clearly signals a shift in uh, <laughs> politics in California, especially Los Angeles area, where they had for many, many years been electing very progressive candidates. And Caruso cannot be described as a very progressive candidate at all. He's, no. <laughs> in fact, he was a Republican. He is about as conservative Democrat as you could get, at least from what his campaign message has been. And then you had in San Francisco um, a person who was hired as their DA who may have been the first of many uh, progressive prosecutors who have been elected across the country who have spearheaded this movement that you have often criticized, Tom, um, that has seen lenient sentences, uh, no cash bail for people who have been arrested and a number of other uh, actions. Uh, he got booted. He got, I can't remember the exact margin on it, but it was a very strong margin that uh, took him out. He uh, will no longer be district attorney in the city of San Francisco, which which is likely the most progressive large city in the United States. I think it's a telltale sign of things to come as people are sick of these progressive district attorneys. Uh, Chesa Bowden was his name. It's 60% of the voters voted him out. Uh, he was very lenient with criminals and uh, let them walk, let, let them go. And and uh, and it's in a liberal area, too, San Francisco, Nancy Pelosi's uh, 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 home area. And and then you were talking about Rick Caruso. Uh, yes, the, the conservative Democrat um, is now going to square off against a, a congresswoman, Karen Bass. Uh, she's been in Congress for six terms, and uh, that'll be the race to see who's mayor of Los Angeles. So things are, are happening. And in uh, South Dakota, I was interested in that. Uh, Governor uh, Nome uh, was uh, victorious over a primary challenger uh, who accused her of having interests outside the state, not in the state. But uh, she was tough on uh, mandating fighting about business closing and masking and vaccines. And so and then uh, South Dakota Republican Senator John Thune defeated his primary candidate, uh, Republican. And then uh, Senator Grassley, the Republican senator from Iowa, defeated his primary challenger. Uh, Grassley, what, about 90 years old, I think. Uh, 
and he does push-ups uh, in front of the camera to show you he's <laughs> still on target and uh, and he emerged victoriously in um, um, <laughs> in Iowa and he's been on the Judiciary Committee and he always laughs in the sessions because he said I don't know why they put me here I'm not a lawyer but then he grills lawyers in his agrarian honesty <laughs> and sometimes has them running. <laughs> he's got that, he's got that boss thing going pretty well, yeah. But uh, Isn't that true? Yeah. It, it's going to be interesting this midterm because after the big gains that were made by the most progressive wing of the Democratic Party uh, in 2020, those gains may be erased and then some, even by candidates within their own party. Uh, you may see a re-emergence of the moderate Democrat uh, coming up in this midterm elections this fall. Mm -hmm. Meanwhile, the Republicans remain split, though, too, on the Trump versus not-so-Trump factions. And the accusations mm -hmm. continue to fly about loyalty to the former president continually. So there was one other thing that happened uh, yesterday. I would be remiss in mentioning because you predicted this would happen on uh, Wednesday. They made an arrest right outside the home of U.S. Supreme Court Justice Brett Kavanaugh. Guy armed to the hilt. Uh, nine millimeters, uh, handgun, tons of ammunition, knives, zip ties, duct tape, all sorts of tools of mischief, I guess would be the term. Um, and apparently he made a direct threat that he was going to kill the U.S. Supreme Court justice over his anger about the Roe v. Wade draft ruling release or leak and uh, Kavanaugh's stance on that and his perceived stance on gun control. And this person drove from wherever they were from in the middle of the night, parked right in front of Kavanaugh's house with all of these weapons with his intention to kill the Supreme Court justice, who, of course, was arrested. There's more to that as well. Apparently, he made a 911 call, but uh, he is in custody in uh, scary times. Mm -hmm. Yes, and those justices' homes have, have police presence. They have a dozen police officers in front of the homes. Maybe they got backup somewhere else, but that is really frightening. Someone who's in favor of uh, exterminating the lives of the preborn wants to exterminate the life of somebody that doesn't agree with him. Uh, he must be a mental case, but good police work. But the frightening reality of that to the justices' families, uh, and they still haven't caught the leaker that caused all this trouble in the Supreme Court. I don't know why they can't determine who it was, but uh, Justice Roberts is still on the trail. All right. Anything else we need to cover as far as national news is concerned, Tom? Well, the Biden administration uh, is accused of, uh, from the American thinker, uh, Monica uh, Showalter, uh, the Biden administration is accused of releasing 7,000 COVID-infected illegal border crossings, crossers uh, in, into, uh, into Texas, uh, around the McAllen, Texas vicinity. And, the, and the, the government says they have to be tested, and then the, if they're positive they have to go to a hotel and stay there the required amount of time but uh, no way to force them there but uh, you know here this administration so concerned about covid and then the texas border city of mccallan 
claims 7,000 COVID positive migrants have been released into their community area since February. And will that stimulate another COVID-19 rerun? But so lenient on that border. I wonder what Dr. Fauci says about that. I haven't heard him say anything. All right. Is that it for national news? That's it. Uh, uh, Let's see. For national news, yeah. Mm -hmm. Okay. We'll take a quick break then and we'll return. And uh, keep going for a little bit more as we uh, (laughs) tackle today's uh, events, uh, news events, I guess. Current events is the word I was actually looking for, Tom. It's Rochester Today. Uh, News Talk 1340, KROC AM and 96.9 FM. Hi, I'm James Raby for Livia Weight Control Centers, and I'm with Andy Brownell and Tom Ostrom on News Talk 1340, KROC AM and 96.9 FM. Thursday morning, it's Rochester Today, News Talk 1340, KROC AM, 96.9 FM. Welcome back, Thomas. What do you want to cover next? Oh, you reminded me, and I didn't take it on the uptake. I've had a discompopulated day, Andy. Thank you. Uh, one more uh, uh, national news item uh, from Just the News. Uh, and uh, internal Capitol Police reviews released found sweeping intelligence security failures on Pelosi's watch, the Speaker of the House, in the in the January 6th uh, uh, events. Uh, Capitol Police uh, have compiled a secret after-action review, and uh, the, and the department uh, was was uh, faulted for many many errors, and uh, they didn't pay attention to President. Uh, well, one the Capitol Police chief wanted to do what Trump said. The thousands of National Guard troops, Trump said, should be down there at the Capitol, given the the issues of the election and everything, and people uh, in the vicinity. The Capitol Police chief agreed, but nobody responded to that, and the Capitol Police chief resigned. But there were all kinds of errors in the Capitol Police uh, agenda. The doors were not locked that should have been, and uh, uh, backup teams uh, were not alert into the sensitive areas where people, in fact, roamed. And, and so there were mistakes made, and, and Nancy Pelosi wasn't responsive either to the National Guard request, and she's in charge of security over that. And so the it was leaked, this uh, internal investigation, and the Capitol Police made lots of mistakes. Uh, Trump is still being hurt by what happened there and the violence on January 6th, but, but Congress turned down the request for those National Guard troops uh, that Trump made, and, and the former police chief, Dave Sund, resigned over that issue. And uh, they didn't give lawmakers an assessment of the department's failing. This this internal investigation was leaked. And what role did Pelosi play uh, uh, in security preparations? She has a responsibility there. And former New York PD Commissioner uh, Carrick reviewed the report and pointed to uh, the lack of leadership and the errors that were made uh, in uh, in the response and in the preparation for what happened. So uh, people are responsible for what they do, but evidently more could have been done. And even police officers gave some of the roamers that came there, roamers, uh, passes so they could go into other places. So uh, more to be said about that coming up. Well, but, uh, 
you go back to I remember the day that happened and watching it live on TV, and it was surreal that you're right. In some of those camera views that were live from inside the building, um, it showed the Capitol Police basically standing by and monitoring people as they walked by. It almost looked like they were touring the Capitol, many of them. But then again, we saw the damage that was inflicted on the building afterwards, and we know that certainly wasn't the case. There was quite a bit of uh, bad behavior occurring and uh, dangerous behavior on top of that by some members of that mob that went inside. Um, It's it's going to be interesting to see if this changes any minds. My opinion is it won't. Because even some of the comments I've heard from members of the committee, the January 6th committee, um, it seems as if they're hedging their bets on this and acknowledging that the connections that they're seeking to make, which obviously would be to blame Trump for what happened and make it that he was the inciter of what happened. I I think I've heard it kind of acknowledgements that, well, not everybody's going to connect the dots the way we connect them. Well, that's kind of an acknowledgement that they're not solid connections at that point. So it'll be interesting Mm -hmm. to see what they do come up with this new material that has been discussed behind closed doors for months, but oftentimes has been leaked anyway and already reported to see whether it is strong enough to change any minds concerning who is to blame or not to blame for what happened on that day. The U.S. and South Korea fired off uh, eight missiles into North Korean uh, vicinity because North Korea fired some missiles <laughs> into the South Sea. And uh, so the U.S. and South Korea fired some missiles back at them. And uh, and uh, this, the South Korean Joint Chiefs of Staff said that uh, if North Korea provokes uh, us with more missiles from multiple locations, uh, we can show them that we have them too. But North Korea now, talk about the dysfunctional United Nations, has been appointed to head the UN nuclear disarmament group. What? <laughs> yep. <laughs> That's a rotating position for the UN. <laughs> and they, this this group meets in Europe, but uh, yeah. So uh, the North, North Koreans who are in the process of being rogue proliferators of nuclear weapons are being put in charge of a commission to police the very proliferation of the weapons. That's right. It's not oh a permanent... God. It's a rotating one, but I it don't is, care if it's it is. Not. <laughs> and the North, the North Korean ambassador to the UN and chair now of the conference on disarmament, Han Tae-sung, uh, said he's known about the criticism of that appointment, but we need self-defense, he said, until the rest of the world disarms. So, you know, it's just ironical. Very ironical, that's for sure. Yes. And then uh, the the uh, Ukrainians had success. They've killed another Russian general in the Ukraine. Major General uh, uh, off killed during fighting. But the NATO chief, the former NATO chief, uh, uh, is, uh, is commenting that uh, James uh, Stavridis is an is a admiral in the U.S. Navy, retired. And he said... 
the Russian invasion of Ukraine is going to take a turn. Their navy is blocking the export of grain from the Ukraine. We've got countries that have food shortages, and we think the next front will be the U.S. Navy confronting the Russian Navy that is blocking the uh, routes of grain transportation uh, into the Black Sea, and uh, that'll be a confrontation coming up, said the Admiral. Well, that's a scary thought, a direct confrontation between U.S. and Russian naval forces. Yeah, That would certainly be an escalation. I read also an article that one of those major cities uh, to the east it could be on the verge of falling to the Russians, that the Ukrainians may um, order a retreat of their forces, and that would greatly solidify the Russians' uh, geographic position in that part of the country. And there was speculation, this was the Associated Press reporting this, that that could lead to additional calls for the Ukrainians to start start negotiations again with the Russians. Mm -hmm. That the Russians may be more open at that point because they had achieved, that Putin would be able to say, ah, we achieved our goals. Mm -hmm. But that was speculation. We'll see what happens. And the Russians are uh, sending missiles into Kiev again, their Ukraine capital, after weeks of calm there. So the fighting uh, goes back and forth and the end uh, is not in sight. And uh, I was going to, you mentioned the North Korean provocations. There was a story this week about uh, the actions of the Chinese, and it was on an Australian military plane. I don't know if you read about that, that a Chinese fighter jet flew in a very dangerous maneuver to be directly in front of this Australian plane and then released its chaff, which is the anti aircraft defense, which is basically burning magnesium and aluminum to attract a heat-seeking missile and did it in such a way that those shards of burning metal could have been sucked into the engines of the Australian jet and could have caused it to crash. Mm. And the Australians smartly pulled away and did evasive maneuvers and returned to their base. But at the same time, that, that, uh, that's a pretty scary encounter. That, that could have escalated very rapidly if that Australian plane had crashed. It is, and and uh, China and Australia are significant trading partners, so uh, these confrontations uh, hurt their economy, too. Okay, Tom, we have about a minute and a half left. What do you need to cover? Well, the Canadians, some things about Canada. Well, uh, Branco, again, is going after uh, Trudeau now, the Prime Minister of Canada, calling him a totalitarian. You know, Trudeau had those freedom truck drivers arrested and um, and punished and and uh, now uh, Branco says, Trudeau says, who do you think we are? Land of the free, home of the brave? No, we're Canada. We're Canada. And I'm going to arrest more people. And he has. <laughs> he loved Castro, by the way. He had very positive speeches to make about Castro years ago. So did his father. Uh, but but he's arresting ministers for holding church services that he thinks are dangerous in time of COVID. And so the state of Ohio passed a resolution to add Canada to the U.S. Religious Freedom Watch list. But Trudeau is acting like a dictator. And I know the response is uh, to the school shooting in the United States and Texas that apparently Canada has put a freeze on private gun ownership at this point. 
I don't think they've taken action to remove guns yet, but no additional gun purchases by private citizens. And that's produced quite an uh-huh. outcry by some people in Canada, yes. obviously. Obviously, some others support it in Canada as well, but it certainly is a controversial move on that side of the border. And more people are buying guns in Canada because of his threats. <laughs> yeah, it's always it always seems that way, doesn't it? The, the intended action of a government produces the exact opposite reaction among the citizens. So, okay. Yeah. We have to run, Tom. We're out of time. So you enjoy the weekend, I hope. And uh, we'll connect again next week. I'm sure we'll okay. have to talk about it. I appreciate it. Thank you, Andy. All right. Tom Ostrom with us this morning. I'm Andy Brownell, and it is Rochester Today on News Talk 1340, KROC AM and 96.9 FM. Hi, I'm Albert. Are you carrying?